captured and it's probably something just to flag obviously the, the rumors that are about but uh so rizzo cowboy on the discord has asked about questions in a relation to um predictions for the new japan women's belt but also who do we hope will compete for that women's title so it's kind of like where do we see that women's belt going um post wrestle kingdom well i mean i i don't want it to be sasha banks i want it to be someone from stardom more joshi based personally but why is that well i have such a limited knowledge of those girls and what i saw in that particular one pay-per-view blew me away like i have not seen better wrestling and i'm not shitting on sasha banks and i don't want it to come off like that i think sasha banks is amazing and and what she's done for women's wrestling in america is amazing and brilliant um but me personally what i saw in the x thing that we saw the pay-per-view was amazing and blew me away so much so i don't know who i want to see in that i want to be surprised i want to see a new girl form in front of me personally see that's the thing i think you get both though if mercedes is the person because you want to see more stardom wrestlers showcased nothing creates an incentive to do that like we're paying mercedes venado a fuck ton of money to perform on these shows we better be putting showcase on starter wrestlers on these key main event spots. You watch how m- much more accessible the stardom is to sign up to. Yeah, everything will improve off the back of that. And my other point, Red, I know what you're saying about, you know, like, oh, the level of stardom wrestlers. I heard the same criticism about John Moxley in WWE when he went to the G1. Oh, this fucking guy over here, he thinks he can wrestle at this level. That's the challenge, right? And what did Moxley do? He stood, stepped up to that challenge and he provided a new and exciting presentation of an existing good point. model. You're, we, the WWE is a style of wrestling. It is not the only style of wrestling and wrestlers have to conform to that style. I yeah. think Mercedes well, will... will yeah. no she has no constraints. You have never seen her in a stardom context so it's impossible to even assume what or who or how she will work based on her ability i think she'll be okay and i think her versus Kyrie as the initial mm. story is a so. big story in terms of uh people's understanding and literacy and awareness of those wrestlers because both of them are internationally known yeah i don't think that Kyrie being champ was that was intentional. Yeah, it wasn't by accident. To set this up, this is the eye grabber, right? Yep. So this will bring all the eyes across. And like, if you want to launch stardom, I don't see a better way. And I think along the line, you're going to get everything that you want, Red, as far as like discovering new great girls and seeing what they can do at that main event level. You're definitely going to get that. But I think initially the, uh, the 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 mission statement is let's get all the fucking eyes, yeah. and show them how great this is, and let's show them what Sasha Banks or Mercedes can be. You know, like that Mox version. You take the reins off. You let her just do be her in that wrestling, or what the version that she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and you win those fans over and you make the access to our product easier for Western audiences, then, and then that's, that's your in. That's, that's your, your in through the front door, you know? Yeah. I'll make a prediction. The women's IWGP women's title is second match on the main card of Wrestle Kingdom night one. We have a Wrestle Kingdom in uh, night two in Yokohama Arena in two weeks post Wrestle Kingdom. If Mercedes comes out and challenges Kyrie, they will be at worst second from the top. That's the that's the shift. Well, can I answer the question like um, who would like to see defend Starlight Kid? Starlight Kid is the um, probably my favorite wrestler from All Sudden. Uh, I really, really love her work. Yep. I've probably seen more of her stuff than any other wrestler from that company. Um, yeah, Starlight Kid is my favorite. So I'd love to see her get a chance. I can't wait to see fucking uh, Julia and Mercedes. Sasha Banks. Yeah, that's your, that's your, that's your, Jesus Christ. That's the. If you're here's the thing, the story that the the observer is reporting, um, yeah, Mercedes is going to sign the richest Bushy Road contract that's existing on a per date basis. It's not. Here's the thing, and this is just a point to make before we. But the stuff I've had to hear about, I understand Meltzer talks about money all the time. Very big discussion about oh, WWE has all the money, and that's the thing. And it's the inference is New Japan doesn't have the money, and that's ludicrous. New Japan has the money. It's just their floor of what you can get paid is not as high as the other guy's floor. So if you're looking at signing for the WWE, you are basically got a guarantee of this floor for a mid card. But if you're a main eventer, if you're a main eventer, you're getting main event money at a high, high level. Like I think, you know, millions of millions of dollars for the main event guys. So Mercedes is in that same boat where she's having on a per appearance six figure deal. And the, the rumor is, is that she will wrestle on one stardom show in April. That is the talk that they're and Stardom's going to put on a special show for it. So there's a story that's going to be built throughout this that she will wrestle that that Mercedes will wrestle New Japan dates, so the big New Japan shows, and she will wrestle some US New Japan shows as well. So that is the that is the expectation that she is going to be opening up the eyes for Stardom through New Japan because New Japan as a service has the greater infrastructure, the more fans, there's multiple fans. And it can be the opening to both New Japan and then into stardom. So they get the benefit of both things. They're leveraging New Japan's popularity. They're leveraging Sasha, uh, Sasha Banks, Mercedes Vanada's popularity at five and a half million social media followers. Like that is ridiculous. Um, she is the biggest star that they have been able to acquire in terms of contemporary online engagement. They're, she is massive. I, 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 I just, it's the game changer. I mean, you think about John Moxley when he came to the company, they had the whole vignette of him cutting through the, like, you know, the chains, bleeding, going through the barbed wire and everything. And that sort of like built in, led into his like, you know, mystique coming into the G1. Uh, Mercedes is good, like, she's going to be like sort of plonked right there. And like, I'm keen, don't get me wrong. Like, do not get me wrong. I am definitely keen, but. Moxley had this whole build. Well, here's what I'll say about Mercedes. She has said nothing about going there. There has been no report. She's, she's, there's been no vignettes. There's been nothing to it. And yet 
it's the talk of pro wrestling that she is going to be doing this and people are seeking it out and they're trying to figure it out. She is a hundred percent going to be there. Um, she's in Japan. I said the, her agents are promoting her in Japan next week. So she's a hundred percent going to be there. She's and think about this. They are spending 100,000 over $100,000 for her to do a run in. Right. So just think about the investment they are putting behind her and it's this is not just about the night. The key that we always have to be mindful, as Dave mentioned about the main event, Wrestle Kingdom is not just about the experience on the night. It's everything following that. Wrestle Kingdom has built its legacy on the back of like uh, word of mouth. Did you see that? Did this happen? You have a newsworthy show where people feel like they have missed out on something. They will want to sign up. And amazingly, New Japan is presenting another Wrestle Kingdom 17 days later. Well, you guys... You, you just pulled me around. You just literally pulled me around. I wasn't at first going, I'm keen for this, but you're 100% correct. There's a format and a different style when you're in the WWE Network. When you're actually free to do what you can do, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. Let me see what Mercedes can do. I'm on board. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we saw uh, an amazing Australian talent working with Picardo and only today to be fucking working with the Miz. So there we go. Nothing says, um, <laughs> nothing says what's possible versus what the constraints are like that. Um, yep. Let's not get into that discussion. <laughs> I'm a Japanese. I'm a Japanese. I'm a Japanese. I'm a Japanese. I grow with Japan. I grow with Japan. I grow with Japan. I grow with Japan. Now, uh, just so you both know, too, we'll get into it later on, obviously, after we've done this cold open, because Josh likes to edit things and put the conversation at the front, and then I jump in with my intro. But my intro this time around the Christmas spirit, because this is the Christmas episode of We Work Stiff. It is Merry Stiffmas. That's right. Uh, I have an interactive intro. Everyone's been dying for one. You guys always interact with them. So I thought, why not make an interactive intro? Yep. I believe that's what they call a podcast. I believe yeah. that's what the um the whole show is an intro. Yeah, no, I think it's it's to me it is. It's a dialogue. I believe that's how this thing works. I, I believe. I'm not sure. I'm new to this. I just like to think we form our vernacular together. <laughs> <laughs> the vernacular spectacular. Take it away, Red. Oh, am I doing it? All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We are going to play a simple, single little game, simple little game called. <laughs> Easy enough to say, is it? You simple three thing. words before you got the simple. All right. How's that vernacular? You have to guess. <laughs> you have to guess the country because everyone knows how good I am at doing accents. You have to guess oh, country Jesus. of where I am saying Merry Christmas from. Oh, shit. Okay. So this is going to be the cancelled intro, is it? The one that we finally get to does it in? All right. Merry Teresa Masu. Mary Teresa Masu. I'm assuming that's French. Mm. Is that a we? Is that we or no? <laughs> There's a particular reason why I've done this one. Mary Teresa Masu. So I'm assuming I was incorrect. No. No, you were No, I was incorrect. Or no, yes, I was correct. I said French. No, no, it's not French. No. Okay. No onion dip here. Uh, 
uh, Urban Red. It is Japanese. And what do we do? We have a podcast on Japanese <laughs> wrestling. French. That's the worst Japanese accent you have ever attempted. We are. We work stiff. <laughs> and this is the Christmas Merry Kerasamasu episode. Happy stiffness to everyone. I am Santa handing out all the presents from his sack, known as the Ravishing Red Rood. And the presents that I am giving are two members of the tripod. I am joined over yonder, as always, by the token war pimp himself, Mumble Bob, the man who is never a downer because he is always happy to make himself into a non-frowner. It is Dr. Dave Pruden. Thank you, Red. Hello, everyone. And as always, making the magic happen financially, editing-wise, time-wise, he is the chocolate <laughs> mouse himself. He is the psychologist of his dog style. <laughs> what? <laughs> The French <laughs> cinema enema, Dr. Julius Josh. Thank you, Ed. I've now got an honorary psych degree. That's lovely. I'll take it. Uh, one of my best? Was that one of my best? Was that like a. <laughs> it was confusing to say <laughs> the least. <laughs> I do like to derail things, and I derail things. <laughs> yeah, why get on the rails? I was I was uh, wondering where we were going, and then uh, we got there. We got there. Yeah, yeah. Um, your Japanese uh, is expert, right? I can't wait for you to <laughs> be in the country and be able to clearly navigate yourself around using that exact uh, description. That will work. Apparently, I'll be fine. Apparently, yeah. They'll assume you're French, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, this is an interesting, as you said, Red, uh, stiffness or uh, uh, festive season. You know, we're in Wrestle Kingdom season's in full effect now, so we just have a bit of a chat around. Obviously, the this week the cards were announced, and we've also got a bunch of questions from our stiffies out there um, that we'll cover. Firstly, Josh, I wanted to ask you. I don't know how you were. I'm sure you were going to talk about it at some point, and mm -hmm. I don't know how you were going to approach it. But I want to know about. Taka Taichi Mania. Mm. Okay. What awesome. happened? Well, well, um, luckily, luckily, um, we got a question regarding that too, Dave, from ABQ Mike at Donut Desperado. Tremendous name. Beautiful. Great um, name. That said, will you cover last night's Taka Taichi Mania? You're damn right we will. Um, obviously, um, as you know, um, I can't help myself when it comes to matters of the Tai Chi um and so i decided to watch the show i was like oh it looks kind of interesting i was interested in the despy what was the pay-per-view well. like 25 bucks or something or more, uh, 30 or... 30 some australian oh yeah um but i was like yeah that looks like a good a good show i really like um the taichi takatachi manias because they're like an opportunity to watch japanese indies because you get to yeah. bunch of these indie workers that come onto the show um and you also discover just awesome like just workers that work for Jack uh, for uh, just tap out and stuff. So There's a really interesting blend. What what actually is a Taka Tai Chi Mania like? Is their own indie? Red. Yeah, they run their own indie. 
Um, so they put on shows kind of like it has the same sort of spirit of like an all-in kind of design where they bring a bunch of wrestlers from all different promotions yeah to okay wrestle. yeah um Absolutely. and so they run a few of them this year and they probably if i were voting for um honestly i'm not even joking if i were voting for promotion of the year they would get significant consideration because they have put on like four shows maybe this year and all of them have been i think three of my top 10 matches have been on that show oh really um, yeah, early in the year we had Doki and Taichi. Um, obviously, my match of the year, and it's no spoiler alert, I've talked about it multiple times, Desperado and Jun Kasai. Um, and then on this show, we had a really good match with Taichi and Shingo and an un- unreal match between um, Minoru Suzuki and Doki versus uh, Jun Kasai and Honma. Um, oh, fucking what? Yeah, yeah, deathmatch Honma, baby. Um, and uh, they decided to do a death match, death match, tag match. Um, it went nuts. Um, it was incredible. Uh, Minoru Suzuki uh, just turned one back the clock, decided he was going to headbutt people for real, getting skewers in the head, using pens to stab Kasai. It was nuts. Uh, uh, Buddy Homer's getting on the top rope. It was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and everything you want. I love how I love. I love how Honma's idea of a deathmatch match is just getting on top of the top rope. For him, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's at that point, it's it's risking yeah. life and limb. Um, but yeah, he's a like he's a big Japan guy, so he's a one of the iconic deathmatch wrestlers. You have to look at his head um, to get a sense that he might have heard of something in the past. Um, but it was an incredibly emotional show. Incredibly emotional. It was a cheering show. Um, it's a prelude to this Friday's Corequin, uh, obviously, where we get the Suzuki Gun disband match. Um, the crowd was so invested in Tai Chi. Obviously, the Tai Chi Shingo match is is a is a really great, you know, main event style match. They did a dump uh, a lumberjack Texas death match. Where they just beat the shit out of each other for a significant period of time, and they did about a, a five minute spot of trading uh lariats they just did pumping bombers and axe bombers back and forth um it was great stuff taichi unfortunately loses the match and after it just cuts just an amazing emotional promo about how he's a failure and no one should stand by his side um he broke up with miho abe that has that was he did that he said that he's he needs to be on his own um it's very newsworthy stuff coming out of that. Obviously, uh, Suzuki also was given the mic at the end of the show, but handed it over to Taichi, proclaiming him the guy that deserves to speak. Um, so it was a sort of a passing of the torch there a little bit, which was quite nice. Um, all the guys were there. Lance Archer was wrestling on that show as well with Despi. Um, and Despi, uh, uh, he also challenged... Um, I always get this guy's names right. It's hard to say. It's like Daisuke Sasaki, but he's like a guy from DDT. And he and Despi have been talking shit for about 18 months. And he's the guy that Despi said should join the best Super Juniors if he wanted to prove himself. Um, that guy unmasked Despi and then talked a bunch of shit, wore his mask and ran around the thing, getting audible boos. One of the biggest, loudest boos I've heard in Japan in a long time, uh, obviously. Wow. Um, and that Despi says if he wins the belt, he is giving that guy a match in New Japan. So there's a there's an opportunity there for that to, to grow. And that that guy is a weird, weird and interesting guy. I think you'd like him, Dave. He's called he's okay. called like charisma. That's what he goes by. But he's like a he just kind of looks dirty. 
It's the best way to describe him. It's DDT guy. Just looks. All of it was building. Hiromu and Taka wrestled in some weird match. I'm not exactly sure what they were doing. Um, and Hiromu won twice. There was two falls in it. I'm still not entirely sure what they were doing. Um, in any case, yeah, the the big story coming out of Taikatachi Mania is ultimately that it's the last one ever, and that there is a we don't know what the future holds for any of the the guys in Suzuki Gun. Um, that's kind of where we're leading, heading into Friday night, where we're not exactly sure what the, the future is for any of these guys. Um, and it's a, a really uncertain time. And they're kind of leaning into that with Tai Chi being this sort of guy that feels he's a failure given um, where it's all gone and where he's sort of unable to get a spot on Wrestle Kingdom and he's unable to wrestle on the dome and all of that sort of feeding into his belief that he's this was his big chance to get the King of Pro Wrestling to be able to get there and that kind of idea. And he's missed that as well. So it's a story they're telling with him. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting and I get the sense, I get the real sense heading out of last night that uh, Dangerous Tech is meant to be no more as well. We may be heading into a very new era with Suzuki Gun. Mm. Cool. So, yeah, Newsworthy Show. It was on, um, obviously, Pay View was on New Japan World and they um, they brought all their production, same sort of stuff. It was basically like a New Japan show just with very different performers. That could be an interesting take for Tai Chi, like going down that. I mean, wouldn't that fit the Black Saints moniker, wouldn't it? Like mm. I'm like as a failure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. With and I mean it fits the it fits with Sonata too, being rejected from New Japan, having to go to all Japan. Yeah. I think they're building I think he's building a stable of I think Jake Lee's gonna join him. I feel that they're gonna build a stable of rejects. Smelly. Yeah. I think it is. I think it's something up there. And I think what we're going to see is, um, you know, everyone has this assumption that, oh, well, Suzuki-gun will just reform under new leadership. And I think what this first sign from Takatachi Mania was a sign that they're not going to stay together, that they're going to find their own ways. Mm. Um, yeah, this, match, said, was this week, is it this Friday? Friday night, yeah, Friday night. Right, the, big, the big, the final match of New Japan's 2022 uh, will be the that that is going to be one goddamn emotional match i'll tell you that one that is going to be one one of probably one of the most emotional matches that i think i'll witness in new japan that's for sure yeah so i'm interesting um we've got a couple of questions regarding this so might as well go into them uh we have a return from the doctor the doctor is making another house call dr gary p mariner uh asked the question as does abq mike at Donut Desperado as well. Both of them asked the exact same question being, uh, what will the legacy of Suzuki-gun be and what has it meant to New Japan Pro Wrestling? Now, this is the one that I was actually most keen to answer because when I saw those two uh, questions come up, uh, for Suzuki-gun for me personally was, they were uh, the stable when I first got into New Japan that I didn't like the most. They really, you know, I, I just was confused. Like you had Azuka, you know, running around like this gigantic guy going into the crowd, um, you know, Minoru Suzuki just beating up the young boys and all that kind of stuff. And then when you had the tag leagues and stuff uh, going on, you had the killer elite squad of Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. And I, I thought they were so good. Like I really, really, really enjoyed them. Um, but even still before I was in New Japan, I remember it was Sheldon X Benjamin that really I'd see stuff that he was doing because I was a massive fan of his. 
and stuff that he was doing. So I actually knew about Suzuki Gun before I knew a lot about New Japan based off Sheldon X. Mm-hmm. But whenever I started watching New Japan, I learned very quickly there was chaos, there was, you know, Suzuki Gun. And so for me personally, it sort of built this whole thing of like there were these factions. And so every single time Suzuki Gun came out, it was almost like, oh, fuck, here they come again. They're just going to like, you know, cheat and be bad guys and stuff like that. But as the years went on, you then got, you know, like even Tai Chi didn't like Tai Chi much. But as the years went on, you got Tai Chi becoming who he is now. Uh, arguably one of my personal favorite wrestlers in any company. And, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. with the Dangerous Techers and everything. So I can't really answer to what their legacy is going to be for New Japan, but I can answer for what they will mean to me. But Suzuki Gun were definitely one of the factions that I started off growing with within New Japan and getting to a point where I absolutely adored every single member of their team. Like when Azuka left, I was sad about that. Uh, so, you know, it just going into this match coming up, uh, as a fan of New Japan and watching it for so long, I'm genuinely going to be emotional watching this match because this stable actually really, really does mean a lot to me within New Japan. Fair enough. I love Suzuki Gun, but as if I'm thinking about it from a legacy perspective, I think they'll be sorely missed in a lot of ways. But when I think about them as a faction, I think of them as the misfits of the never quite made it. So if you look at it from the perspective of, you know, like being the top main event guys, I know Despy is there, but he's still in the eyes of many stands behind Hiromu. Hiromu is like the face of that division in a lot of respects. And Despy deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, you know, Tai Chi, he's kind of like the the mid-tier guy that can't quite get to that next level. Zack Sabre Jr. is the guy who wins all the tournaments but can't quite get a title, can't quite get the world championship title. It'll be interesting to see how he goes with Ren Narita. Maybe him, maybe Suzuki-gun disbanding means he actually gets a title. Mm. Um, I know that they've had tag champs and they've had uh, junior champs and junior tag champs. But, you know, let's be honest, they're secondary belts compared to the major singles belts. And even the big, it's really the big belt. That's the belt. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, like Zach never had the Intercontinental or... No, that's um, as high as he got. That's as high as he got was IC. Yeah, and then, you know, he had great matches with those top guys, but he was never the top guy or in the conversation to be one of the four or five pillars, right? Mm. So as much as I love Suzuki-gun, they're they're somewhat stagnated by the fact that they're Suzuki-gun. Like, where do they go? Like, what is the trajectory for them if they were staying together, given... Uh, the rise of United Empire, the you know the rise of Jay, uh, and and you know Okada being the staple and other guys coming up through the ranks. So I don't think 
that this is a bad time to reshuffle and do different stuff there because I want to see something different from Tai Chi and to see him elevate. And I don't know if he can do that wearing a fucking Phantom of the Opera mask and ripping your dax off as much as I love that. Maybe you can, maybe you can, but it's got to come from some other angle. And I don't know if you can do that within the uh, being under the umbrella of Suzuki. So that faction for me, as, as great as it is coming into watching New Japan, like Red was just talking about his history with them, it was a little confusing to me at the beginning. Are they heels of the crowd seemed to fear them rather than boo them? It was kind of like weird, uh, just group of like the the, the complete weirdos mm. um as much as los inganales kind of position themselves to be that they're not really that they're like the cool kind of like well, we don't really give a fuck but we just give a fuck about ourselves mm. so that group you know whereas suzuki gun is like the real misfit group mm. uh i want to see the misfits go out and like you know what's next for them go out and be misfits grab murder grandpa he's I don't know whether he's like getting on the horse and riding off into the sunset or he's just, or he's, or he's gonna, I don't know. (laughs) He's going to do the Michael Bay fucking first match stuff. Uh, Who knows? Whatever he does, I'll be happy to see him when I see him. Yeah. Um, I think this is exciting. And Mm. if I look at 2023 and what feels like it is going to be like a big faction kind of mix up for the next you know like we were saying last week propelling into the beginning of the next 50 years of the company uh suzuki gun feels like the the most stale to me other than chaos but we're seeing some movement there as well and there wasn't really much happening with suzuki gun like you know, Tai Chi, I don't know, I can't remember the last time I saw Tai Chi win a match, you know. Um, Zach has really kind of been off since he won the chance to wrestle in the final. There hasn't really been any talk from him. I haven't really seen anything from him. I think that's by design, right? Yeah, yeah and like Dangerous Techers weren't in either in mm-hmm. the tag league. Like, and they would have been a great addition to that tag league. They, yeah. would, they could have easily, you know, they could have easily taken fucking evil in Ujuro's spot. Yeah. But they didn't, you know. So there's they're out of they're at like a weird stalemate. So I'm I'm excited, but yeah, the legacy for me is like the weird group of misfits that are a bunch of oddballs who are awesome, um, but they can't really seem to get past where they're at. Yeah, that's interesting. I think um, you want the misfits in action. Well, I just. Uh, I just want to see, like, across the board, really. I just want to see movement. And I feel like Bullet Club, in a lot of respects, is in the same, oh, yeah. like, in a they're similar position. Yeah. They're pretty, they're kind of stale, you know. When you look at, you compare what's happening with some other factions. Oh, yeah. And, you know, some really amazing stuff's happening. And I feel like a Bullet Club and Suzuki Gun, if there's if nothing happens, they'll be left behind even more. Yeah, because they have I, been left behind the last few months. Yeah, and I think um, I'm with you. So Suzuki Gun for me, if we're talking legacy, so 
I mean, I, I was checking the other day to check in and see. So I started my New Japan World subscriptions from the end of 2015, I think around October of 2015. And I had it and I was watching stuff, but I didn't really get super invested. And I can the first angle I can remember seeing is the return of Suzuki-gun on New Year's Dash in 2017. Uh, when they come back from nowhere. At this point, I have really no idea much about them other than I'd seen a bit of them um, on that Wrestle Kingdom from 2015, um, but I didn't really know much about them. But the presentation of that it sort of opened my eyes to two things. One, uh, the faction system, obviously in New Japan, but also the the universe in which Japanese pro wrestling exists where they were freely talking about these guys coming in from Noah. Um, where they had picked up Zack Sabre Jr. on their, their travels and he was coming in as part of this thing. And it was like, what? <laughs> like there's a Suzuki-gun is like be, they're outside of promotional, like that's kind of how they existed, this idea they sort of existed outside of any promotion. They were Suzuki's army and he was going to take them wherever he felt he needed to be. And so when they turned up and was beating up Chaos and setting up that initial Suzuki-Okada um, sort of program, it was super exciting and um, I fell in love with El Desperado, I think that night um, and obviously have tracked him throughout. And I think so much of me, the legacy of Suzuki-gun is about how New Japan in particular trusts the factions to move organically throughout. They're not, they're not a heel nor face. They are what they are depending on who who they are and where they are at a given time, where the characters are at a given time. And so to see like Taichi is the perfect example of this in terms of where he was and how he was perceived and how mm. Suzuki was obviously, they said they were feared, but they were booed. They were told to, you know, go home. They were told like they were seen as this disruptive force. They were seen as these outsiders and to see their trajectory move from the ultimate sort of misfits, as you said, they're these outsiders to become these sort of endearing characters who New Japan fans want to cheer is position Suzuki-gun and what Suzuki is, who Minoru Suzuki is and how his army has been built as just counter to the growth of those wrestlers because they can't escape what it is, the shadow of Suzuki that is cast through Suzuki-gun. So uh, I didn't want to sound dismissive in what I was mm. saying because I feel like they, like you were saying just then, they are the perfect example of what a faction can be in New Japan when it comes to um, nurturing talent. Yeah. Because they've, they've got great veterans, yeah, like great Suzuki, Kanemaru, um, and Tai Chi, and now so, like now more yeah, so he's, a, he's a veteran. Seven yeah. years ago or whatever when he was kind of having his own struggles. But now, and they're like, they're kind of, in a lot of ways, I see them as like the epitome of, like that our veterans will help the young guys get them to that next to get them to that next level yeah like what we saw with you know despy over that period of time now bringing up dookie and yeah uh yeah it's like zach under suzuki and what i think is interesting is you talked about these guys as misfits and that's what they are there and and when suzuki gave that speech um at the tag league final where he was talking about how everybody had you know, like particularly noking with with Doki, for instance, talking about how people all talk about how they've done it tough, but you slept on actual dirt floors. Like you, you have done it really tough to get to this point, and recognizing the struggle that all of these guys have had to find their way. 
uh, and being, you know, I mean, Despy literally got like blooded in, like they they beat the living shit out of him as part of this toughening everyone up to to deal with the rigors of the system that they were about to enter. Suzuki being that Anoki guy, you know, being that that guy of this is the way that I believe that we should be doing this. To me, is as you said, Dave, is sort of shown the way of how you have this little universe within a universe, this little the faction themselves operate and people generate relationships to these factions that these because they have an identity the faction itself has an identity and what we've seen over the last i'd say probably since the pandemic is the identity of suzuki gun shifting internally but it's not it not having the capacity to move with where it was going because i think what we've ultimately seen is these misfits are actually leaders they've mm. been built into leaders and they can't lead not everyone can lead and then and suzuki gun has almost positioned them where they've got such respect for one another. They don't want to push either one of these people out, but they're all mindful of like, well, Despy is, Despy's ready to be his own guy. Uh, He's he's ready to be the guy. And he just can't be the guy in this group because the group doesn't, they're so connected and they're so like, they're, they're so supportive of one another. That's kind of their whole thing is that that's why they're so endearing is because, there might be these pricks or whatever that people perceive, but when someone's down, they will come and help. You know, they're, they are a full team. They are perhaps the most connected team in mm. New Japan in terms of their relationship to one another. Um, like they love each other. So it's a really difficult split, but it's like they love each other so much. They recognize it's time to yeah. break up. They need to go their own ways. They seem to have the most complex relationship with each other of all the factions. And I think that's why the you know the the land of fucking weirdo misfits works for them because they also are the, I mean they're the most different faction, yeah, of like the group put together. Like they're all so fucking weird on their own, and then you throw them together. And if you were to look at that on paper, you'd be like, what? What? How does that make sense? And what's the aesthetic here? Like I can see yeah. Suzuki and Zach, but then how's Tai Chi fit? And what the fuck's a Doki? And like, yeah. Have Lance exactly. Archer fit in this. Lance Archer's never yeah. out of it. Here he comes. Like it's, um, but all of them have that connective tissue based on their experiences. And that, that's yeah. what I mean. Though it's like you know when I first started watching, you know, Izuka was like the big Suzuki and Izuka to me were the ones who drew my attention. Tai Chi was more of like the annoyance. But then once the dangerous techers became a thing, then you started to actually see Tai Chi in this different level of more than just this guy who walks out with a mask and sings songs. And now he's paired up with perhaps one of the greatest technical wrestlers in the world. And the two of them grew with each other. And so that's where it's kind of like they started going on this different trajectory as a group. So but even before that, Taichi had that that G1 run. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Taichi finally got took it serious. I think Zach, I think that relationship you said read with Zach did force him to be more serious because Zach the thing about Zach that's interesting is again, he's one of those guys that had come in and he had such success as a singles wrestler in terms of his tournament stuff. And he clearly fucking hates to lose. Like that's his thing. Super yeah. competitive. And he, he saw himself as like Suzuki was the great white Buffalo. He was chasing, you know, he was trying to be that guy. He wanted to be like that. And he, and it, and we've all seen it. He's surpassed him now. Like it's the, I mean, it's reality. Zach's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. And he's in a situation where he's, as you said, he's won these tournaments. He's always done this. He just has never won a singles belt in New Japan. And it's almost as if the situation is he has played a role 
for Tai Chi to Tai Chi to chase him. And that I feel like there's a sense that the way that this faction will the faction will always have connections to one another, but they're the best thing for this thing to do is for each of them that I mean the legacy for Zukigun is yet to be written. It's when what Zach does, it's what Despi does, it's what Taichi does. Yeah. And what they what this spawns off. I think it could be an incredibly a like influential faction because all of these guys have the potential to start their own things and become great in and of themselves. Um so yeah, that's kind of how I view the legacy of something yet to be written, you know. This coming match coming up is going to be one of the most emotional matches that I've personally seen for a oh, while. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be um it's the traditional end of the year uh snow falling match where they let the snow down at the end and the Korokin and it's so Suzuki Gun too to be like, I love you, man. Let's beat the shit out of each other. It's the most Suzuki Gun you yeah. can get is let's yeah. pair up and let's square up and let's go. And right. um, come on, let's go. Yep. And I think that's we're gonna see them give everything they can. It'll end in a draw. Yeah, it'll be it'll end in a draw. Um, it'll yeah, who knows what'll happen. Who honestly, who knows what'll happen? But I, I think uh, it's it's a must see match for um for fans of New Japan. Obviously, fans of Suzuki Gun is gonna be very emotional. But um, yeah, like how good, honestly? How good is it gonna be that they're finally giving the guys that we have talked about for what feels like eighteen months, um, the ball? So Taichi gets his own ball, Despi gets his own ball, yeah. Zach gets his own ball. You know, and I mean, like I think going forward, I could easily see uh, L Duki. Uh, Saber, uh, Tai Chi, all with gold within the next year. I have thoughts about where I think these guys might land. And as, as Dave has mentioned, you know, this this idea of 2023 being this sort of shakeup year, the fact that this faction is not just, just this is disbanding and that they are going in their own directions, whether they will find a landing space or whether they will inherit different things will be really interesting. Or whether they'll create their own things is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's going to um, be great. The future is positive for wrestling right now. It is so sick. Yeah, I mean that's I said. That's that's. I know people will be upset. There's people will be upset that they're they're leaving, but this is part of the process. It's you know exactly factions it. go. That's exactly um, it. Yeah. And if you are a supporter of, I mean, it's the most Suzuki thing possible. It's like this is each of them needs to stay on their own now. I've done what I, I don't need an army anymore, and these guys may need an army of their own, and that's kind of yeah. a Just, great position to be in. Buy their merch right now because it'll be worth something pretty soon. I'm sad to see them break up. Like, I love Suzuki Gun, but it, 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 something had to happen there because it was like, here's the thing do I love Suzuki Gun or do I love Tai Chi, Zack Sabre Jr., El Desperado, Doki? Like, do I love them as a faction or do I love their individual personalities? And that's kind of, I mean, of- that's, a good, that's a good question. I, I, uh, I, I love the relationship certain guys have with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it mean is is that does that mean that I love the faction? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It creates some fun, different stories moving forward. I think it's good. Like I, I'm not against it at all. I think it's time. I believe I I with you. I believe that faction shakeup is essential in. You know, it's like the it's the engine that drives the the company. Is ultimately there's only so many stories you can tell with the 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 form that they're like proformers. You know, these factions like yeah. proformers they come with inbuilt, uh, you know, narrative uh, threads that people just connect to. Like, oh, Suzuki going to X Y Z, 
and they're positioned here and then to connect to them you'll do this this and this and then that will lead yeah. to whatever story and there's only so many variations of that you can actually have i also feel like too like new japan there's so much about new japan at the moment that feels fresh and and in comparison they feel stale yes and that has been the biggest takeaway i'm with you dave by comparison some of these fresh teams that come in i'm like do they feel fresh it's like it's a it's a give and take because like united empire feels so fresh as a comparative to say a bullet club and it's yeah. like is that an indictment on bullet club or an in or or is it something that's suggesting of how good you and united empire are you know like it's one of those i'm not exactly sure but i hope it inspires them to realize we need more of those type of factions yeah. fresh pairings um, and hopefully the tag league was suggestive of that, that new Japan is open to fresh pairings because they put a bunch of them together to see what happens. Um, yeah, they did. Uh, you know, and this, I, like I, I, the whole bullet club to thing, like I'm just talking about factions for a moment, but that see, I don't know how that breaks up because maybe it can be, can it be refreshed? by staying together because you've got some good stuff in there and then you've just got some like what because if you if you split up bullet club if you disband bullet club what mm-hmm. i mean what then what then do you do with guys like chase Owens and bad luck Vale? Mm-hmm. i know in a lot of like our discussions and that sort of thing there's somewhat of an afterthought but they are staples to that brand yeah and they're going anywhere right can't have a company full of fucking top two yeah. guys you yeah. can't have all the carters you gotta have low carters and mid carters so yeah and, you know and then you don't want to have a whole reshuffling of the entire thing and then you know everyone ends up somewhere different and then it, you gotta start making connective tissue mm. across the entire company mm. so I think Suzuki Gun, they're not they're not as big and as inflated, so they can easily enough disband. I feel the same way about um, hot. Something can happen there because they're not big and inflated. I'm confused about the whole bullet club scenario mm. and what to do there to make that not feel like it it's 10 years ago you know what i mean when you look at other stuff a lot of stuff looks very modern and and like this is the direction we want to go as a company and then when you look at a lot of stuff that's going on in bullet club you're like well i mean this is where you wanted to go in the company 10 years ago it's not where you want to go now so what is happening there but you can't split everyone up because they're so big and then where do they all go and then but then you do have lots of fresh meat there you've got like an amazing junior tag team going there so what do I don't you know. do? Yeah. What, what do, you, do you do? And to me, it feels like, and this probably ties into a question I'm interested to go into, Dave, in terms of the faction shakeup, because it's been asked again. I, I kind of like it off the back of Suzuki going to ties in, I think, to Bullet Club's discussion as well. It's from the Discord, Miss Doom in the Discord. Hey, can I can I ask this question? <laughs> How do y'all? Hey guys. How much of an impact do you think the TV title will have in 2023? I think it'll be a welcome addition with either the Zack Sabre Jr. on the Reader's Camp. Thank you, Reader. <laughs> it was camp, all right. Um, yeah, I'm interested in this. Um, 
and obviously the TV title was an addition. I think you sort of raised the point earlier, Dave, and I'm interested in exploring it, was Zack Sabre Jr.'s inability to win a title as being a story. And mm. like it's been a, an ongoing thing. He can't win a singles belt. Um, and this being a belt that he's, you know, he's talked about what his vision for that is. And I'm interested now that Suzuki-gun has disbanded and will disband if Zach were to immediately win a belt with with Suzuki Gun not by his side, and what that could potentially be to me, I believe it could have a massive impact in 2023 as a TV title if Zach takes it, because I think it will be him crafting something. He will use that belt to craft his own. I think of all the guys, yeah, that of all the guys in Suzuki Gun that are most like Suzuki. And would most likely create something similar to Suzuki. It is Zack Sabre Jr. I think Sabre Gun could be a thing, and that he could try to build that. And I would not be surprised if Ren Narita, the guy he beats, is his first addition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I feel like him building a stable where Narita becomes his Zack, and uh, he builds something like that could be something really fascinating. And I think. I would not be surprised to see him recruit now that with the news of uh, Jonah returning back um, to the where to the land of uh, uh, absent pushes. Um, I think that it'll be interesting to see what TMDK do, and I would not. I'd also not be surprised to see Zach um, in the TMDK finding their way to be under Zach because of the knowledge. Somebody connection. recruit bad deed today. We cannot let yeah. that man not be in New Japan. No, I think, I mean, one, you just give the man the, the, the leadership push. But uh, interestingly enough, um, I'll, I'll read a tweet. I'll read a tweet, Dave, because I got smellness. This is where this idea came from about Zach Sabre Jr. So I, I want to read this tweet out from our boy, hysterical Shane Haste, known for his rational thought. Mm-hmm. Um, he tweeted out this afternoon, TMDK is going to be just fine. We're happy for all members' success. We don't and have never done leaders, but as elders, we will keep our eyes out for a new champion. Mm. Mm. And yeah, those, those words. That's very curious that they're looking for a new champ. And I have a feeling that Zack Sabre Jr. winning that belt becomes the guy Um and to me, that aesthetic works. Those guys fit with Zach. Um, as a reformed, the mighty don't kneel with Zach Sabre Jr. as the, the leader of that under a super good model, to me, um, with him being that TV title, TV champ, and taking that belt around the world, which is, I think, mm-hmm. the idea of that. You could almost call them um, the mighty don't tap out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you. Are you around the world on YouTube? Yes, exactly. Um and I feel like there's no better guy to represent uh, that can engage someone in 35 seconds than Zach Sabre Jr. He can just talk for a bit and then wrestle um, and he will connect. So I feel like it's going to be a massive focus, this belt, but I think it's going to be a store, a really key instrument in the story of Zach as his movement. I feel like that makes the most sense. Now I could see Narita doing the thing and then elevating him that way. I get yeah, that. I was, I was about to say, I was about to say that um, imagine if Ren Narita actually won that, then that could actually send Zach on a different stream of going into a different level of bitterness and more anger, elevating Ren Narita completely to a new level because Ren Narita deserves that. In my honest opinion, he's one of the 
you know, best young boys to come out for years and he genuinely deserves to have a title around his waist. And that would be a really great way to sort of like put him on that level that takes him to where he's going to be within the company. Yeah, I would agree to some extent, Red, but I don't want to sacrifice. I think Zach's suffered enough at this point of like, there's only so many times he can't win the big one to the point where no one will invest in him at this point. If you're talking about deserving of a title. No one deserves it more than Zach. No, I'm just saying that imagine that if Zach loses this to a young boy, essentially, in his opinion, that basically he would then could go into a trajectory of like an absolute bitter and angry man to a level that we haven't seen before, which could lead to a much more vicious version of himself. Yeah, but I think that would be interesting. But it's like that's that is the story they have told with Zach before in terms of post um, New Japan Cup, you know, back to back cups and, and losing. And then he went into that really angry um, that G1 where he was bitter and lost a bunch. Um, and so I think I can see him doing that as like building a heel faction with Zach. But I think Zach's that what we've seen these last two years is Zach is very hard to dislike at this point. And um, he is the heir apparent to Kenny Omega in terms of his relationship with the crowd as a foreigner, um, living in Japan full time, speaking the language fluently. He has become um, that guy, and it's as we saw with Kenny. It was very difficult for the Japanese audience to dislike him. They they grew to like him, uh, despite his positioning. I think we've seen the same thing with Zach. So, um, Zach Saber Junior. I think we look at it. You know, like this. It's interesting. You know, when when Shibata made his first actual return, he he selected Zach to be the guy to grapple with. Now Shibata's you know prodigy. You know his clone in Narita is coming through. I feel like there's some connection there. So I feel like, yeah, Narita is champ. I could see it. I mean, and do the mega push, do it. That's fine. Um, but I would just be, I for me, if I was given the option, and I love Ren Narita, I'd be given the option of Zach showing, because he, here's the thing. Narita went to work under Shibata at LA Dojo after failing as a result of his training in uh, the, the no gay dojo. He had struggled in the Japanese dojo and he decided it was not working for him and he needed to go to learn under Shibata. And he went and humbled himself in front of Shibata, uh, basically got the shiki out of him to, to sort of become an LA dojo guy. So he has a history of recognizing a, a flaw in his game or, or an absence and, and trying to address it. To me, getting into a grappling contest with Zach and losing and realizing I need to improve that aspect of my game and then humbling himself to Zach and saying, I need to learn from you and being his second is to me makes the most sense. And I would love to see it. I think those two as a, as a that would be Zach as Suzuki and, yeah. and Ren yeah. as Zach and they can run rough shot. Yeah. yeah. And then they can uh, have that model of the veteran and the, the younger guy. Yep that Suzuki Gun did so well. I also think that if you want to position the TV title as an important title, not to say that Ren wouldn't be a valid uh, and deserving champion, but if you want that title to mean something, the first reign is always significant and inherently important to how that title is viewed. Yeah, and the identity. And I think putting it on a guy like Zach and making it very, very, very hard to get it off him 
uh, would really benefit that. And, and it automatically because of his, um, you know, that makes him again the, the tournament guy. It, it adds prestige to that title. So I don't know, that would be my thought. And he's a yeah, main eventer. Yeah. Like he had a world title match this year. So like that's the the level of that guy. So I think, yeah, I, I can see them doing the Narita push. I can see it. Like the mega push. Like, and that's cool. I'm all for that. Um, but I would just be interested to see where they'd go with Ren as champ. Whereas with Zach, I know what he wants to do because he's he's given a manifesto. He talked about exactly what he wants to do. He wants to call it like the true strong style belt. Um, and that he's want to be the guy that's going to go off and defend it around the world with his version of Tekkers and his Tekkers being better than everybody else's. And I just love that, that you've got a 15 minute title that he, you know, that he has this format and, and no one can beat him in it. They basically New Japan created their own pure championship that yeah. he will, he will have, and you have to beat him at his own game in a 15 minute time limit. It's like playing chess on the clock. It is a, yeah. it is a riddle that needs to be solved. And I think him as the champ is the most interesting, especially with him crafting a faction around himself to insulate himself, support himself and grow something new uh, with that belt, building that identity. I think that's a really cool way to sort of to establish that belt and also establish his whatever faction that he's he's going to craft. Because I think his faction will be the most Suzuki Gun like in terms of what Suzuki was initially. Well, I mean, it's a great point Dave made before. Like, you know, you want to establish a title, you put it on someone who is going to legitimately make the belt. Is it the belt or the guy? And Zach Zach will literally make that belt. And you're 100 percent correct. If he has a string of matches where people just can't beat him it will make the belt even more important and make it more important to take it off him. And it, and two, if he's like, if that's a belt that's gone around the world on YouTube uh, and, then, and then it's a belt that it acts as almost like a bridge to other promotions, mm-hmm. I mean, that could be really interesting. I think Zach would be amazing in that capacity and especially given like his promo ability as well. Yeah. on youtube i think that would just that would, that would get a lot of eyes that way he's the right guy him as a champ. imagine right this guy. imagine that zach wins it and then defends it throughout the entire year leading towards aw's forbidden door yep and then yeah. who's the guy who's going to take zach on for it yeah exactly danielson so yeah. um in a format that as i said the pure championship danielson being pure champion for ring of honor so that same idea um, playing itself out so I could see I could definitely see that coming um, along the way um, and I, I'd book him I'd book him I'd book Zach to not be able to lose that belt until Tai Chi beats him yeah that's how I'd do it um, yeah that'd be interesting uh, yeah so I think that um, yeah that's how I, I again it's, it's a good question because I think the TV title is a we've sort of forgotten about it because it's obviously been on, on hold throughout the tag league but we only have to remember how exciting that tournament was. I mean, the big L, uh, the big W that we took as a result of that tournament, um, how exciting and sort of breath of fresh air that tournament was in terms of just the wrestling and the way mm-hmm. that they went about telling the stories and the presentation was new and different. Um, I think that once that we get more of that, I think it's going to really uh, excite people and sort of be a belt that uh, it'll really, I mean, the never belts basically can, can disappear now because this one's going to come in and, and really have an identity from the get-go that people are, I think, going to be pretty invested in. Um, so if you're looking for a, a particular division to follow, I think this may be the most exciting division in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's let's go to... How about some Wrestle Kingdom discussion? How about that? Sure. Sounds good. 
Okay, let's start off with returning back to the doctor, Dr. Gary P. Mariner at Dr. Gary Mariner. Uh, he asks, thoughts on Tana and Naito being in Muto's last match and not chasing titles, etc. Will we ever see Ivar in a main event spot again? Um, yes, it's a complete tribute. Uh, the fact that they have being a part of this match it's, it's it's nothing more than a tribute they're just simply showing honor and respect and that is all you can put it to it doesn't it's not about sometimes in wrestling it's not about competing for belts it's not about things it's about being part of something bigger than what you are and that's literally how i view this match as uh muda's last match in new japan so it makes complete sense the two of them are in there uh, it is nothing more than just an honor match. They are honored to be in there and be a part of the match with him. And that's it. And yes, we will definitely see both of them in title matches in the future, for sure. Of course. Main event spot. You ever, you yep. think... Naito for sure. Not so much Tana. I don't think Tana. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Naito for sure. Definitely. I mean, Naito is about to have one of the biggest 2023s ever because we have cheering crowds coming back. And Naito is going to be propelled straight up back on top where he belongs. And he will actually fulfill the dream of what we've always wanted, where he will form the biggest faction in the history of New Japan. I'm fascinated by Naito. I am. I'm fascinated by where Naito's at. We're going Naito all belts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What else do we give Naito? Yeah, exactly. Um... Uh, Yeah, I agree with Red for the most part. I think... um... Yeah, he's right when it's it's like a it's tribute match, tribute to Muda. They've got to have guys wrestling around Muda to make it look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're surrounding him with great workers. And, you know, he's not going to do it unless he's in there with top-tier guys that he wants to wrestle with. Um, and they want to. And, you know, clearly he's still a massive name, particularly in Japan. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. I also agree. I think Naito is main events, New Japan for sure for belts. Still, he still can go. He's still fucking insanely good. And um, you know, I think that there might be some smellness around the corner. Uh, in LIJ, which could only add some interesting stuff for Naito. Uh, Tana, not so much. I don't know if Tana, like, uh, uh, I don't know if he's, you just never know with Tana. I mean, it, who fucking knows? Someone might get injured and they'll be like, well, we'll just heat Tana up. We'll give him another run because he's so, he's just so, um, you can just trust him that he will get the crowd and he will make everyone wonder how the fuck he does it considering he has no fucking knees. And uh, he's just amazing. Tana's the best. Mm. Um, I just think it's more likely, I mean, in my eyes, a definite that, that Naito fights for the belt at some point. Yeah. Whether, whether it's Okada or Jay, or Osprey, or Osprey, I'd mm. say that he he gets another match, and you know he may well main event another Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, main eventing Wrestle Kingdom. He will main event another Wrestle Kingdom. This match, in some variation, um, has seemed like the logical direction for a while. Um, 
I mean, we talked about it, I don't know, six weeks ago, something like that, about um, how, I mean, I just felt like it made sense that they were going to head towards uh, Naito Sonata versus um, Mudo and Tana. I really appreciate the addition of Shooter. I think that's a great visual of the sort of the aces in yeah, it's like three idea. generations, right? Yeah. yeah. And when we talk about, we're not sure about Tana. The reason I'm pretty confident Tana with all things being equal, won't main event again is because Shoda exists and mm-hmm. that the focus is on the next generation and that he is being put there to be positioned quite literally as the heir apparent. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I also don't rule out Shoda's weird Moxley connection and that part, that weird connection with, and the, the pairing up against LIJ. I don't think that's uh, by accident. I'm very happy with that match, not so much from Naito and not so much from Tana, but more from Sonata. Fight like this is great for Sonata to get yeah. the opportunity to wrestle, um, you know, his mentor uh, on a Wrestle Kingdom. I think that is incredibly important, and it's and Bushi's an All Japan guy as well. So those two guys getting to wrestle um, Mudo, and, and not to mention too with Bushi, imagine the spit off between him and Mudo. Yeah. Spitting each other's mouths. Yeah. Yes, that's what we want. Yeah. Then then Mox and Naito can come out and we just can just go full into weird sexual chemistry. That's what I want to see. <laughs> um again, people might be disappointed in oh, we wanted the sink big singles matches, but again, this is a, a special attraction. It's a one, it's it's the last, the only time they're gonna get the opportunity for Mudo, you know, Keiji Mudo to retire as in a New Japan ring on a Wrestle Kingdom stage. Um with that visual of those three generations together yeah. at the Anoki tribute show, I think it's pretty much, it was a pretty much a lay down was there pretty early on that that was the direction they were headed. Um, and Bushi's in there to get, to probably get pinned. Or Bushi's there to pin Muda. Um, yeah. If Muda jobs, um, that will be stunning. I, I, he must get, he must, he'll be getting the biggest payday of the night. <laughs> Sasha probably coming second to Muda if Muda jobs. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I found it to be um, yeah. And is it inspired? Is it something that's gonna? Maybe not. But I do feel that off the back of it, there there will be some progression for the characters. And I also feel like it's potentially a story match, which is very much valuable on a big show. Yeah. Um, and you don't think that Naito and Tana in a ring together at Wrestle Kingdom are not going oh, to give us socks? Yeah. yeah. Go, and Sonata will be insane, and he'll have some sort of amazing interaction with. It'll be cool, and then maybe another one with Naito. Who knows? But um, let's not count our chickens. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking to myself. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not against this match at all. I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I get some Naito fans being maybe let down that he's not getting a big special singles match. But yeah, I don't think there'd be too many Japanese Naito fans that wouldn't nah. be happy about it. You know, they know what this means. This yeah. is this is a tribute match. This is literally a tribute match. That's that. That's all it is. Like you know, how can you not be happy for a guy like Naito to be in a match with Muda? Yeah, because there is so much of what Naito does that Muda is influenced. So yeah, he, he called him his favorite wrestler. That's that's what I mean, though. It's like so. This is an absolute tribute match. Like as a fan of Naito. I don't care that he's not wrestling for something. I care that he's actually going to be wrestling one of his all-time favorites. Like as me as a fan, 
I am psyched about that. Like when I watch that match, I will be geeking out for Naito, geeking out about Muda. And he's going to get a main event singles match at the second Wrestle Kingdom thing in yeah. like two weeks. <laughs> like, let's just be real. Like, it, it'll he'll somehow figure a way to get straight into like the semi-main or the main of that uh, Yokohama Arena show. So don't yeah. don't worry. You don't have to wait twenty days. He'll be fine. Like, Naito always wins. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, like I, you know, it's like yes, yeah, Sonata and like. But when I get the chance to see Sonata and Muda in the ring together and they're alone, that's great. That, you know what I mean? Like that's going to be so amazing to see. Like. This is going to be a match that is more beyond a belt. This is going to be more than, you know, storyline. This is just a complete tribute and a complete honor match. That's all it is. And that's really cool to see. I'll be interested too, because Sonata for me has been um, like during the tag league with Naito, he's kind of been dismissive of Naito being like naughty. He has. Yeah. So... He I... shook his head after a win. It was very odd. He was like, "Yeah, yeah." And you know, when, like Nido was beating up, uh, like the, the was it the not the ref or some? He beat someone. the ref up. Yeah, he beat the ref he up. Beat the ref up, and he was like shaking his head. He was not. He was like, he's kind of not happy about that. So, I, yeah, let's just fucking throw it out there, right? If Naito is naughty on this night, so Nido might pull him up. Maybe Naito might be naughty with Muda. Sonata might come to his defense. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I think that's very possible. And it might not be something, it might not have to be super overt, like we get a turn on the night, but we get the first real sign of dissension where it's like, I do not believe, like, because Naito's philosophy is, I show disrespect is my way of showing respect. Like that yeah. brilliant, like, I don't, the more I show, I don't care, the more I care. But for Sonata, who's, uh, you know, he's got that one brain cell up there. I don't think he really discerns the difference. I think ultimately it's just what it is that I see. And I'm the purest, purest, he's a pure baby face. And I respect respect, yeah. which Tai Chi shows him. And watching that poor Tai Chi to be debased and keep probably on his own and lose a bunch and, and struggle, you know, looking for a friend. He might need a friend. I do, yeah. It's, it's. I think we're going to see some little hints. I don't think we're going to get a full blown turn. Although I think New Year's Dash, there might be some turns happening left, right, and center. I have a feeling Dash is going yeah. to be wild. Uh, okay, let's have a question here. I'm interested in this one uh, from ABQ Mike at Donut Desperado. What do you consider the most important match on the Wrestle Kingdom 17 card? What is the most important match? Now I always go first. Uh, because I, I figured it out. I go first, I give my quick little jab that you boys go into the deeper versions of it. Um, this is a really hard question to actually answer because um, you've obviously got the gigantic match, which is uh, Tama Tonga and Machine, Machine Gun Kelly. And Machine Gun Kelly. And yeah. it's, you know, but, but, but Tama Tonga has to. I want to, to listen to them both equally. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, th this one was tough because you have the IWGP women's match, which is huge to be there, like, to be propelled and put onto that level right there. That's massive. Second match on the card is not exactly the greatest hope. No, but that's what I mean. But that's still huge, though, the fact it's there. And that going mm, forward... It's a step. I, it's a step. Yeah, but I, I, I'm still blown away by the fact that I'm about to see Wrestle Kingdom 
where I'm going to see that happen. That's mm. going to be amazing because that's that's some of the best wrestling in the entire world that you're going to see in the second match. Yeah. Um, you know, then you have obviously what is going to be probably the first bout of many to come between Will and Kenny. Uh, then, you know, what else is going to happen between, you know, like Jay and Okada? It, it, I found this question so hard to answer because as me, as a fan of wrestling, <laughs> the most important match of the entire thing on Wrestle Kingdom X7, which is the holiest number in any number of wrestling. <laughs> uh you know we know it, how you love 17 man i well it's the greatest wrestling pay-per-view of all time and i'm watching the greatest wrestling company right now in the world so you know this 17 means a lot to me so i found it really really hard to answer this question yeah, uh, isn't isn't your most important match the next one yep that's 100 correct that's exactly yeah. it that's exactly it so there are so many things going on at this because you have the guys from the pandemic who are being rewarded now, uh, you know, having this Wrestle Kingdom stuff going on into the future. It, the entire show, the entire show is the most important match. Yeah, it's just that, you know, the women's match, FTR being there, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah, there's a lot of important shit on this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is the biggest payoff that I've had as a New Japan fan for a long time and yeah the fact that i woke up and found out that it was 17 x7 <laughs> uh, just, you've just discovered that i think we had this conversation like three weeks ago i didn't know until this morning so <laughs> on this podcast i think i've got audio of us talking no no about no, it's, it's just, no it's mere numbers i just <laughs> yeah, i'm not yeah. good with numbers so it sounds like you're excited about the women's match though about I am. Its, no. its position as important as a what it says about where new japan's going in terms of well, uh, women and i mean I think it's going to get more important when the final bell rings too. And it, it's massive though, because I've been watching this for years and I've heard about stardom and Joshi and all that kind of stuff. And to actually mm-hmm. see women's matches on this, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's really, really important. That, that, that's what I mean. There's a big significance to what is actually happening on Wrestle Kingdom, having these girls, these ladies, sorry, um, get the chance to actually wrestle and showcase what they can do on the showcase of immortals um so it's just i'm pumped like fuck i am so keen to see scott norton come out in the rambo he better be there he better be there. the rambo is going to be on like all of it so yeah, the rambo's back baby wrestle kingdom is one of the reasons why i'm into wrestling and the fact that it is x7 17 that's another reason why i'm into wrestling <laughs> The OG reason, Question. There was no yeah. easy way for me to answer this question. Um, the women's match. Cool. That's an answer. It's a good answer. Yep. It's a good answer. I have another answer for you. Is the question asking what is the most important match? Is that yes. what the question's asking? What is do you consider the, the most important match? The most important match on Wrestle Kingdom is the world title match. Yeah. Always should be. And it's Wrestle Kingdom, so it is. That is the most important match. If everything else on that card is fucking sensational and that match doesn't deliver, then that is a letdown. Mm-hmm. If everything else on that card sucks and that match is fucking sensational, then the card delivers. Yeah. 
It all depends on that match. So I am very intrigued by the lack of attention being put on that match. That is the most important match. And I love everything that's on the card other than that shall not be named. Never to be talked about. Never to be talked about. It'll still be a good match. Uh, I highly doubt that. Um, Yeah, that's my answer. Yeah. The world title match. And I, I had a similar answer in that I know what New Japan want you as the consumer, as the fan, to believe is the most important match. And that is always the world title match. Whatever match goes on last is the most important match for the exact reasons you've explained. What I like about this year, what I find fascinating about it, is the obviously from a Western interest, there was even people floating the idea and it's been framed as this in the New Japan card announcements as double main event. And I have really enjoyed how Jay in particular has talked about that in terms of, um, I mean, just basically saying like we have two matches that are being built as main event. One is a match for a old dork on the internet yeah, uh, and the other is for the most prestigious prize in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, which one's more important? I'll tell you. The one that I'm in, um, I find that to be a really important and intriguing story that's going on to it. I feel like New Japan, as you said, Dave, that the lack of story for the, the match other than the era discussion which has been an undercurrent and has been the kind of the going story throughout the entire thing of who's going to lead the next 50 years, that kind of who's going to kick off the thing. And now Jay's starting to troll around with the uh, each Nissan, da, uh, Anoki stuff. Um, Mm. And talking about how he is the truest version of what Anoki wanted and how he is, you know, like uh, we, uh, I'll give credit to the Fightful interview where he talked about, um, he talked about how the home field advantage, how he had uh, Sean Ross sat brought up to him. You've never lost a card in Japan, mm. which was like an interesting little observation. And he was like, well, people think that a card is Japanese there for his advantage, but in, as a pro wrestler, that is my home. And I came up there. This So there's not, it's, we are not, we're equals in that space, yeah. um, which is a very interesting thing for a, a leader of the bullet club to say. Um, but in any case, I feel like that story, the fact that it hasn't been heated up suggests to me that the heating up happens. It's going to be microwaved on the night. Yeah. Yeah. And that the story of the match, the story in the match, the story post the match is the story people are going to be talking about. That to me is the reason it will be the most important because it will be the thing. And I am convinced, and I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I am dead set inhaling hopium by the gallon. But I am convinced that despite what I believe will be an unbelievable sort of classic pro wrestling encounter of just spectacular proportion with Osprey and Omega, mm. that the story people will be talking about, the wrestlers they will be talking about are Jay and Okada leaving the event. I feel like I just have this sense that yeah. everyone's going to be talking about Omega and uh, Osprey heading in and everyone's going to be talking about Jay and Okada heading out. Um, and that I think is kind of, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I feel like that's kind of by design that they're kind of these like hidden little forgotten aspects. It feels that way to me as well. The more I look at it. Yeah. The more I look at it, the more I feel like. Not heating it up on the tag league final in any real way was like, they let that opportunity slip 
there's what two little shows at Corican before Wrestle Kingdom. Yep, and Jay's not booked. And Jay's, Jay's not booked. We haven't really heard much from Okada lately either. Something's up. And I'm I'm intrigued by that mere fact that those things haven't happened amongst this kind of uh, the the plethora of talk on the internet about how amazing Omega Osprey is going to be and mm-hmm. what it represents and you know even the speculation about how uh, Sasha Banks turns up and what she does potentially on the night because she's not wrestling that night. No. But there's but, a lot of talk about her appearing there, and well, you, have yeah. you seen the the report the uh, that she's in she's going to be in Japan from mid next week? Okay, it's official. No, she, her her agent is publicising for her to do um, collaborations with brands and stuff in Japan. So okay, cool. It, she's going to make an insane amount of money over there. Yes, uh, and that's awesome. Good for her. I think it's great. That, what a great addition. I mean, you really want to set that. And, and, and that is an important match. And her being brought in is, is really going to send stardom flying. Like What's it will be the Jericho effect. Yes, is that she's actually signing a New Japan contract, as reported by The Observer. So she'll be resting apparently one date for stardom, but the majority yeah. of her matches will be those big showcases on New Japan events. But awesome. they'll bring eyes to stardom wrestlers obviously probably fits in with her doing you know filming schedules and that sort of stuff if that's the path she wants to go down as well i think it's it's her schedule perfectly big shows yeah 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 yeah. uh you know and why not have a break from doing the week tv weekly tv thing yep i think it's cool you know there's other stuff on there that's you know everyone's talking about you know why naito isn't doing this and why tana isn't doing that and you know what's the significance of that match and yes i get it it all makes sense Yep. But this this fucking main event, something has to happen mm-hmm. to make it like fucking Red's going on about X17. If that shit is a thing, something has to happen in that main event to really fucking make jaws drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certify Jay. Um, Do something. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, we've been. I mean, it's what we do ultimately is when in the absence of clarity regarding a narrative, we will fill in gaps and hope for the best. <laughs> Conspiracy booking is 101 is just that. It's not fantasy booking of what I want to see. It's what do I think I'm seeing based on the, the narrative that's being played out and can I fill in some holes and try to do my best to piece this together and create something that I think is coherent. And I do think I've been thinking a little bit about it. Um, there's two things I've, I've noticed recently and i obviously i had a little bit of a minor rant regarding the chaos story but i've been off the back of it last week i started to have a little look into what's happening there and what i found interesting and the the pairings um it it just this i feel like chaos is being paired against united empire Mm. i think that's kind of what's happening slowly with it under our under our noses there's two things I'm interested in. One, the obvious story. The logical one is, okay, Okada wins the belt. Everyone is it, Everyone is expecting that to be the case. Everyone. Yeah. Okada wins the belt at Wrestle Kingdom to finally you know, get that win back off of Jay that he's been chasing in Japan. He wins the main event. He gets crowned as the guy, Anoki. He's done the Anoki tribute, this whole thing. he, he It's it's serenaded. It's a happy ending. We get that. And then Osprey 
uh, who win or lose is then thrust as his challenger. Obviously, with the G1 loss and the the story of him chasing the big brother, that seems to be the logical story. Like that's the one that you can sort of see. It's like, yeah, that's cool. And I think that's a cool story. That'd be fun. Those two guys wrestling for a period of time and, and Osprey chasing Okada. Okay, cool. Predictable, but solid. Makes sense. But then what do you do with Jay, who's a clear key player in, in the way you're going? It's like, well, then the other part of me that was really interesting is what's Jay Jay and Osprey are going back and forth on Twitter and been doing it for like two months. And it's not normal Jay being dismissive of Osprey and calling him a fucking moron. It's mm-hmm. like they they got a bit of like friendly kind of odd banter going on. They're flirting. It's, it's yeah. It's and it's different for Jay. Mm. And you think, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? What is happening? Why is he? Why is he being lovey lovey with with Osprey? Not only that, is he's also talking from the perspective of you know and you would never really get this from a bullet club leader but uh he him wanting him saying that he is the true uh successor successor to anoki and that uh he will do the tribute and that okada is taking shortcuts to get there mm-hmm. by and not that... defending after winning the g1 yep by just calling his shots, being allowed to do whatever he's, he's done. He's like, well, how, how in favor of, uh, of that would Anoki be? Yeah. And then you pair that with Jay's consistent discussion about being the locker room leader of the strong um, brand and about how he has been the catalyst. This story of the catalyst is the one that's the most intriguing because yeah. he has throughout all the shit that was happening on the the tag league night the the sort of the forgotten component was and it's i mean this is is it jumping at shadows i'm not sure but normally jay's intro starts with the switchblade moniker coming up and they've replaced it with the catalyst one um and then he's got a brand new bullet club shirt with the catalyst written on it uh, with a snake obscuring half of the bullet club logo and it's like that is a very curious positioning just heading into Wrestle Kingdom that here comes the catalyst. And then he's he's defining what the catalyst is. And he's saying that I always assumed it was this idea that he's like, you know, somehow like Bullet Club's getting into every company and I'm the catalyst for that. But he's more talking about how he's shaping the future of New Japan the way that he thinks is for the benefit of New Japan. So strong being a catalyst yeah, yeah. for well, he's been a catalyst talent. for bringing in guys like Jake Something came in through Jay. Talking up Fred Rosser, talking up the strong brand, talking up New Japan in a lot of ways, which is like kind of not Jay-like. It was always talking himself up, mm-hmm. and that you know. Well, he's still uh, talking himself up, but he's talking himself up using that brand. How good am I that I've elevated this place? You know, uh, expansion into Australia, Tamashi. You know that that you know, given what Jay was able to do, and he even said in that interview, you know, like why why wouldn't if you're trying to build something have have your best guy there. Mm-hmm. You know, do that over here. Well, he's from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be easy enough for him to come and do shows here. So that's a that's a different slant on a bullet club leader. Yeah, and so what I think of it is, is I'm not sure whether I said we've had a discussion about it, Dave, in the past, and I, I'm not entirely sure exactly what's happening, but I feel like there's something 
something's afoot and it'll be really fascinating. And I think it's something to follow as we head towards Wrestle Kingdom is just to see how this chaos thing is going and how if chaos are paired up against United Empire, which I feel they will be in some respects, if Bishamon win against FTR, I think that Aussie Open will be their first challenges. And if Bishamon don't win and Aussie Open get their FTR, Bishamon and uh, Aussie Open are going to be paired, I think. I think that's going to be a direction that they're going to head um, after the Mark Davis promo. Because basically, we have to beat you. We have to. We fucking hate Yoshihashi, which I just love. I just love that they've now made that their their personality. This They're like this prick. Yo and Leo are both in catch 2-2. So there's some interesting pairings there. And then at the top end, it's like, okay, well, then Osprey's, where's he going to go? And I found it very curious that Jay also tweeted out this week about the Young Bucks, about how much they'd like him and have a photo of him walking past with them looking like... And I feel like there's something afoot where I don't know what it's going to be, but it to me, there's a sense that maybe the snake is back. I think that there's something important, like... I something's up with this snake thing as well hmm. you look at the you look at the symbolism like the snake the idea of the catalyst and the switchblade they all kind of like point towards being a bit sneaky and stabbing someone in the back right yeah and influence yeah snake in the grass look I, it's a fucking stretch right but Limber up, people. Limber up. I'm with you, Dave. I'm I'm ready to run. I'm ready to run with you here. I often preface these conspiracy booking moments with that. It's a stretch. However, we are rarely wrong with Jay. And whether (laughs) it fully happens on Wrestle Kingdom, I'm not sure. But something's up, and I feel like as great as the match is going to be, there's going to be some huge story elements. And... I don't think that it is out of nowhere that Yo suddenly has this aggressive fuck you, come get me kind of personality and is teamed up with a guy like Leo Rush, who is, what's his moniker? Bad child. The bad child. Are we, is this like, is Jay fixing a backdoor fucking chaos mutiny? Mm-hmm. Well, here's and... two things, Dave. One, yes, let's go. Let's fucking go. Uh, off the back of that, we just talked about, where did Leo Rush come from? Strong. So there's something in that where there's a connection to that. Where was, when Jay first, when Jay first came in, where, which faction was Jay in? He was in chaos. Chaos. Who else was in chaos with him? I think that was young William Osprey. Um, these these outside leaders here. Uh, when Jay was there, he famously talked about there being someone else in there, the mole. He talked about it like it was a thing, and everyone said, "Who was the mole?" And people people speculated it was Beretta because like it just the, the storyline dropped, you know. Like yeah. so everyone think, I think it, I think it was Trent. I think, um, but yeah, in any case, injured. yeah, yeah, he got injured, then he left for AEW. So the mole story left, but um, could have been Trent's mum. Yeah, Sue. I mean, famous Corican legend Sue. Um, but I, what was interesting about it is that 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 narrative thread still exists. So what if the, the mole has been in chaos this entire time? Um, 
Yo would make a great mole. Um, and Yo has slowly ingratiated himself with Bishamon. Why were they all out there together? All four of them. Chaos all of a sudden just becoming all buddies and talking up themselves and being all this sort of stuff. Suddenly it's like, they're a faction out of nowhere. Suddenly again. they're connected, right? And interestingly, guys like Yano are outside of them working with guys like Tana. You know, like interesting certain guys mm. aren't chaos boys whereas the, the true chaos boys your goto your, your yoshihashi um and and robbie didn't team with yo no who and he thought he did previously been booted from bullet club bullet club yep and he thought he was gonna get he thought he was gonna get in with yo he was he told us on the show that he was convinced that that was the direction he was going but it looks like he had a different partner someone had different plans for yo so poor robbie gets missed out there's something <clears throat> afoot happening in chaos and i the snake in the grass would make the most sense that a mutiny against a Kazucha Okada uh, by his longtime partners in chaos, led by Jay, who then deserts Bullet Club as well to start his own thing, perhaps, um, or creates his own Bullet Club. With someone that he actually trusts, because there is no trust in bullet club let's get on the fucking bike jump in the fucking basket yo get in son we are get heading in the off. basket yo <laughs> let's do it let's go get show while we're yeah. at it let's recover show while we're going can i um, can i tag in for a second with the conspiracy of course you can yes jump in on this so this is x7 and yep. who is the baby face coming into his hometown okada so imagine this one Okada, during the course of the match, becomes the heel. Yeah, I've, I've, I've speculated that too, man, yeah. Yeah, the double turn. Exactly. And then going to Bullet Club. <laughs> I don't think I did. Okada is then running Bullet Club and then brings all these other people back <laughs> over as the new established member, the Rainmaker. Because what happens when you shoot a gun? Rain of bullets. <laughs> So this is what Rain I'm saying Club. right now is that we have it X seven right now. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock, mm. and Stone Cold Steve Austin during that entire match was the babyface and everything. And then Vince McMahon came out and helped him. Who's going to come out and help Okada beat Jay White? I, I think Okada going heel is a very real possibility. I don't think going to Bullet Club necessarily is a real possibility, but him going heel to beat like to beat jay would double turn it because it would build sympathy yeah and okada as a prick is a really good prick it's and okada when he was a heel with the you know um ghetto and everything uh was one of my favorite things in the entire world like i hated those two guys but they always won so going back to that would be absolutely amazing so getting okada going back to being a heel to beat jay so the tables are turned on jay would be absolutely amazing i I like the idea too of that, like this Okada to me, it, it, there's a selfishness about it. It's not about the faction. It's not about the group. And so he's, you know, he's lost sight of chaos. He didn't help. It never has been for Okada, Dave. He, yeah, he didn't help Yo when he was going through, you know, his difficult phase after show left and he was all depressed and that kind of shit. 
maybe Jay got in his ear a little bit. Like, why are you in that faction? Why are you with that guy? He's not looking after you. Hey, look, I can send guys to come and help you and be there with you. Bring Leo Rush over. And the idea of chaos turning on a selfish Okada, that you are not a leader. You speak these great things about how it's all, but it's all about you. It's not about us. So get that switchblade, hide it, you know, best blade the Tidden's a switchblade, right? Yeah. Be the snake and fucking stab him in the back. And I would not be surprised, David. It could, we could have a Wrestle Kingdom main event where Okada does all of those selfish traits to win, winning the match, and there's no real super, super big angle other than there's just this, this sense of the vision of Jay being sort of having that slow, that, that turn from the crowd where the same way that Okada got it against Tana, where he's like crying mm-hmm. and everyone feels bad for him. Only for that next night for Okada to be sort of that had his promo talk about how great he is and how he's doing all this stuff and how he's the leader of the new generation. And he's the guy that's going to be the Anoki for this. Akadaism is reigning, you know, for the next 50 years for that, for that night at dash for them to then do it at dash of like, mm. fuck this guy. We've had to put up him for a night. He's been a prick all night talking about how great he is and we've had enough and we're going to, we're going to turn on him tonight. And that's, and that sets us up for the story. The only way that Jay can really ascend to being what he believes he is is by having his friends. Yeah, and that's always been the way. And I think, I think that would work. I think that would be. You look at guys like Finley as well. That you would be out there yeah. in ether. That you would be saying they come back. I mean, we've talked about it for years of the Jay, and I, I've always sort of seen that as the vision for him of his his core five that he finds. And maybe they're some of those guys, like I said, that building of a guy like Yo and him makes, I mean, for people that don't know, they are, they were the young boys together with Yo show and, and, um, and Jay. And so they, uh, interestingly, and this is an important point, Dave, it's probably, I even forgot about it. Uh, you know who Jay tagged with in ring of honor? No. Leo Rush. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're, we're, we're ending the era of Enochism and we are heading into the next 50 years in Japan. What is the era that will lead us? They are trying to tell that story. It has been understated, not very well articulated. But if that is the goal, then who whose ego in terms of who wants that era to be theirs will show itself. And I, and I think the possibility of Okada believing that he has the right to be proclaiming himself as he's done this whole year as the Enochi in heir apparent which is incredibly egotistical when you think about it. like mm. it's an insane thing to basically call yourself the god of pro wrestling it's 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 just it's oh it's a carter it's who he is he's he's yeah. an arrogant prick but that's his nature because he's a funny you know like he's likable in this weird way that people sort of neglect the fact that he gets to do whatever he wants that idea that he could get to the point where he could see him not only losing it but losing it to a guy that he you know that he sees as uh, inferior to him the guy that he was un- that was under him that that he doesn't see as being the right representative of the vision for new japan that he yeah. would do anything it is to stop that guy from doing it he will win the title at any cost at any cost and even sacrificing this ethos that he believes is what needs to be the, the vision of New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
yeah so he may not do anything uh particularly like it may not be illegal but it might be dishonorable yep and that's all it needs to be to switch yeah. that thinking because he loses the moral high ground against the the, the snake in the, the grass immoral jay. fucking jay yeah yes he loses that high ground and once he loses that now it becomes they are now at level footing and now it becomes an argument about whose vision for what new japan should be is the better way to go and mm-hmm. jay's vision when viewed in the way that people are viewing new japan pro wrestling moving forward in terms of the catalyst of opening up the doors the whole thing we're seeing the whole story of wrestle kingdom as you said before red is the pandemic era wrestlers versus the new fresh incoming faces the fresh faces are seen as the product of a catalyst someone who has been out in the world connecting with all of these companies driving that the story they have told in kayfabe is jay being the face of those connections he's been an impact he has been an aw he's been the face of all of those things he is the face of it strong right he's the face of the new generation that they are positioning but when if okada loses the moral high ground of being the face of traditional new japan values and he loses that because he sacrifices those to to because his ego gets in the way well now it becomes a level footing between him and jay on whose vision for pro wrestling is better and i think the fans will pick jays and when they do that it will switch them they'll be switched and i think that if chaos turn on okada due to that driven ego thing and okada can he can live on his own he's fine like he'll find some guy will join him he'll have someone that is with him the opportunity to switch it i think is really it's really possible and that we could see um jay could lose and come out being this kind of face character and and be positioned to be sort of the guy that's going to continue to wrestle outsiders and project protect new japan's the vision for new japan much in the way that Osprey has positioned himself as well. It feels like these guys are positioning themselves, and that's why they're sort of playing friendly, that these guys are positioning themselves as the new generation of of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling. They are the they are what Anoki wanted, which was New Japan Pro Wrestling in international context. And they mm-hmm. are the representative of that. So I feel like it's this the battle for the era is the story they needed to tell. They haven't done a great job of it, but I think it will be told on the night. And then leading from that will be the biggest the biggest catalyst for New Japan's shake-up because we think it's going to shake up. And it's already started with Suzuki-gun. The biggest catalyst for that shake-up is the the top the two top guys switching. Mm. Do it, you shake that up, and then everything else is on the table at that point. And I do, I'm with you, Dave. I have seen the same things with those guys that are connected to Jay. And it just feels like they're telling some sort of weird story with Jay and I don't know what it is. And I'm not just not entirely sure. Um, And the fact that like El Fantasmo is wrestling in Jay's place on these Corrigans against Okada is just like, that's curious. Like, yeah. Cause I see him as the heir apparent. Um, If Bullet Club were to change leadership, I think El Fantasmo is the guy they would push. Yeah. He'd be great. Having said all that, Mm. They could just go out there and have a banger match and Okada wins and we just go on as life is normal. Mm. And that would be great. The issue I have with that is that where you kind of drop the ball on telling the story for your main event of Wrestle Kingdom. And that's why it seems fishy to me is because, like, that's a big fucking hole, right? Yeah. That's For months, we've not really heard much. Or there, nothing has been built on that other than uh, it's Jay... 
has got the upper hand as far as wins and losses and uh, feels like Okada gets whatever he wants and Okada's just going to continue Enokiism under... On Enoki. The guise of Okadaism, right? That's a, that's a bit of a flat story. Yeah, we've we've been flagging it for weeks. Unless you, unless you heat it up with some spice along the way, which they haven't done. I'll, I'll put it this way: as a guy who just loves matches and everything, this match needs to have some sort of storyline. It's the main event. It does yeah. because you look what it's like, and look what it's following, right? Yeah, like it's following these banger matches that they've put on. It can't beat. It cannot. Like I, I know they're great. Jay and Okada are great, but it, it's not going to out-spectacle Omega Osprey. No. no, it won't. And so they're not going to, I don't think they're going to try to. No, I don't think they're going to try. So I think that they're, they're not being a story and the build-up is part of them not trying to out-spectacle mm. Omega and Okada. I think this is by design. Yeah. This, this, this has to be jaw-dropping storyline going into the future. And also because after Omega and Osprey, there's there's not going to be a great deal of story after that, other than how many fucking stars is it getting, right? Yeah, but then I mean, you know what Osprey is like. He's not a grand storyteller. No. As, as far as like a long form thing, I mean, it's it's a rivalry, and you know, there's a little bit of stuff going on. Well, the story is going to be Osprey and Okada. That's not even going to be. Yeah, so that that's match. what I mean. Like, yeah. so, but to go beyond Wrestle Kingdom, there's plenty of story oh. that can be told if if crazy shit happens on the night between Okada and Jay, and where they both go and where they both end up. So I've been toying around for it for a little bit because the, the 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 double main event thing is interesting. I I think the obvious thing is that they're going to switch. That we're going to have a a pair up. That it's going to be Osprey and Okada, and it's going to be Omega and Jay. I think that's what's going to happen um, in terms of the story they're going to go. I think Omega is going to beat Osprey for the US belt, and um, I feel like Jay tweeting about the, about the Young Bucks is not by accident. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Uh, and I mean, it's it's also then a story that Jay can go and tell elsewhere. He doesn't have to tell that story in New Japan because I don't know how many dates Kenny's going to do in New Japan. No, no, he's going to tell that in AEW. Yeah, special event stuff. So it'll be a story that's told elsewhere. Uh, I'm talking specific, specifically about stories being told in New Japan. I feel like the Kenny Osprey thing that after Wrestle Kingdom, there's not going to be a lot. Told no, no, I, I. It's a spectacle match. It's there yeah. to create this insane spectacle. But let's not forget the story that they're trying to tell in that match is Omega saying Osprey has failed New Japan by not being able to elevate it to the level that he was when he was there. So. I mean, that's also a shot at the main event guys too. Like, it's a shot at everyone in the company. Something's up. That's all. It just there's something up in that main event spot. If, as I said, they could go out and have a great, just a great all-time great match, and that would be that'd be fine. But they're not. Do you think that they won't be enough? I just don't think Jay would be as no. Jay wouldn't be as confident as he is walking around talking, doing this promotion if that was just. I back myself to follow this match with mm. a, another great match. I feel like there's there's something afoot, and I we can speculate. We have speculated about it, but this show is going to be packed full of stories. Like it's going to be story just chock a block. Like in terms of newsworthy 
events. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, and how do you ensure that the world title is the thing that is talked about because it needs to be it needs to be the biggest story for New Japan's the way that they book, the way they book is has always been that way, mm. and New Japan's ironically New Japan historically has sold them they've sold Wrestle Kingdom forever on the main event. Yeah. The main event has been the key selling point. And this year it is not as much that, and it's more about the um, sort of the, the era discussion of the battle of the new Japan, like Bishamon came out and this is, you know, credit to Bishamon for, you know, they went, they went in the press conference and they did a thing where they said that, that, and this is where I'm thinking we're interesting the catalyst space, Dave. And this is interesting. They just sort of said like, we want to get the belts back off of these teams that aren't wrestling here in this country. They're not engaging. They're not new Japan teams. So it's a philosophy of new Japan identity versus. So that's, that is the overarching theme throughout the entire show. Even a guy like Will Ospreay is defending the honor of new Japan versus Kenny Omega. People can't sort of see that because they just view it from a purely like two white guys are wrestling, but Ospreay has been very clear about, New Japan being the best, and this is a place where I'm loyal to this place. And this is a place that we made you. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jay and Okada are defending the honor or their idea of the honor of New Japan against each other. Against each other, the idea of what New Japan is is being battled with throughout every match. Every match yeah. is focusing on even the that should not that which will not be named yeah, serves yeah, yeah. that narrative purpose. However, shit sure. it may be. It serves that narrative purpose of that foreign invader, that foreign company, that shitty place over there should not be holding our stuff because we are better. And I think the idea is proclaiming that throughout the entire night is like those guys should be, we we, we represent that, you know, and we will mm. get an idea of where that main event is heading based on how the night's going in terms of who's winning. Because even, as I said, like every match has that kind of positioning of, like either it's Leo Rush coming in from the outside, all of a sudden getting to that spot, you know, with on the back with him and Yo, getting to that position. Um, that's the story that they're telling. Even the even like, you know, Muto's in there. You know, like this yeah, idea yeah. of the um, yeah. yeah. So there's this idea of like, what is New Japan? What is New Japan, and what has it off the back of being insulated for two and a half years through the pandemic? It 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 constricted itself. It became quite small with only the guys that could be in the country became representative of what new Japan was. And it really bought, like founded this really strong domestic image of what new Japan is. And the guys who were strong new Japan advocates, like your Naito's, your Tana's, your Yoshihashi's became yeah. these stars because they were the ones that were there and they were the ones that were keeping the lights on. And they're the ones that fought through this era. And then you can only imagine the indignity of a guy like Yoshihashi and Goto to see uh, even a team like Aussie Open, who have finally mm. got the opportunity to come in here, but how dare they come in here and try to take what we have been spending two and a half years to get to this position to finally proclaim that we we are New Japan. That's who we are, and I think the way they're doing it isn't the classic way you do it. It's a it's yeah. a battle of philosophy, and I think that that story playing out if you double turn at the end would be a fucking genius way to do it. Where the actual swerve of the story is is. All right, the guy who, and that's why I, I flagged it, Dave, when Jay said in that Fightful interview, I am my born and raised in pro wrestling in New Japan. I am born and raised in Japan in that's pro wrestling. That's the way he said it, yeah. Right? 
I have the home field advantage. And that is the idea is I believe that I have the same right that he has. And if, and if anything, if you think of it, if anything, Okada went to Okada went to Torimon. Okada yeah. didn't start in the dojo that way. Jay says, I'm the dojo boy. I'm the true guy that says, I'm the true vision of this. If he is the actual swerve is that he is the true defender of New Japan versus what he views as Okadaism. And that's what the catalyst is, is bringing New Japan philosophy to other places. And that he, that will ultimately babyface him. And it'll, he'll become, as I said, he'll become this guy that people view as the, the true inheritor of the Anoki spirit of what IWGP is. Um, and I think that that would be an amazing story to tell. Um, with Okada being seen as the selfish guy that wants to hang on to a legacy of the past of isolationism and of separating from like, and it's a great way to frame it. I mean, Tana and Omega kickstarted that idea. They, they sort of tested the tire, booted the tires on that one to see if there was any legs in that. Um, and there was. And so I think that we, we, we revisit that this time with guys that we know, you know, I've got on a contract. I can um, fuck off next year. Yeah. Yeah. So or that's probably night, the next night. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I said, I can find a way to talk myself into basically anything. Like I'll be like, yep, this will make sense. And we'll see how it goes. I, again, but it could end in just to say the great match and we have something, but there will be smellness around. And mm. I just think dash this year, knowing that dash is done like a mystery vortex show where they're not going to announce who's on the card until their music hits is like anything could happen on that show. Mm. Like, honestly, anybody yeah. could turn up. What creates better chaos than a snake in the grass? Right, right. Within chaos. Within chaos, <laughs> yeah. To me, it makes, it's the long-term play. The chaos, we went nuts last week. Like, how the fuck have chaos all of a sudden become a thing? And the yeah. only way that it makes any sense for chaos to become a thing is if you're going to build them up so you can break them down. Because mm. otherwise, there's no there's no real narrative benefit to it because they are who they are. And they've been that way for a decade. Or 14 years. They've been away forever. And like, particularly, you know, the further that the tag league went on, Yo and Leo, particularly Yo, was very un-chaos. Yeah. You know, like talking shit to people, talking shit to Robbie, talking like within his own faction, talking shit to people. Yeah. And then like going after Linderman and yeah. then talking shit with um, the Bullet Club boys. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. I just think... Uh... I just feel like there's something afoot in the factions and we've, we've been noting it each week and it's becoming more and more apparent as we get closer to wrestle kingdom. And if you're going to do it, do it in the biggest stage of them all. Yeah. Even little old Bishamon. You're like, they've had a, they've had a shift. They've had a little change of stuff. And you're like, what, a, you know, there's something, someone's in, a, in their ear. And that's what I said when they won that. And they said, come out here, boys, come out here and celebrate with us. It was like, well, you you boys must be sharing the road and like in talking a bunch. What if Yo's telling you things about how Yo's like be more like me? And this is what I've learned on my travels. And he's like, I I'm telling you, something's up. Maybe Yoshi Yoshihashi's the mole would be the greatest story ever told. <laughs> if it was... he looks a bit like a mole. Yeah, right. Be great. Uh, this body looks like Molly from Wind in the Willows. <laughs> yes, yes, and he could be 
he I the bet sweetest he boy. <laughs> better be the, the sweetest boy. All time, I'll do a naked lefty. But yeah, she, she turns out to be the fucking mole. The chaos mole from five years ago, whatever. Like yeah. it's finally <laughs> revealed. It's, it's Yoshihashi all this time. We can do that. It's 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 me, Okada. It was me all along. <laughs> it was um, me all along.